with you. Well, we're going to hear from the word of the Lord today. So if you could all could stand, if you're able, out of reverence to the scripture. And um, we are reading from Joshua today as we wrap up this series that we've been going through uh, and following the Israelite nation. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. <clears throat> Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I, am gi- I, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea and to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will inherit, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the left or the right, to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord today. Thanks be to God. Well, you may be seated. Thank you. Well, we are um, at the end of this following season, the, uh, a, a series that we've been following Moses and the Israelites through the wilderness and their journey from a promise that was given to Abraham. And we're going to recap that all today. And we're, we're now in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you want to find Deuteronomy in your Bible, we'll be there in just a moment. Um, But today I want to, um, before we get going, if you have to leave early or if you fall asleep or if you uh, just want to turn off uh, your ears, I want you to hear the point today. So we all pass a torch. We all have a legacy. And we need to do our best to be sure that the fire that we pass on our torch lights the right path. Amen? So that's the point today. So today, as we wrap up this, this time, uh, we understand what it means to be in a following season. We shared some common themes over the last few weeks. First of all, everyone is in a following season. We'll define that in just a moment. Everyone is in a following season. Whether you follow Jesus, uh, if you're a Jesus follower, you're a Christian, or if you follow something else, someone else, if you choose a different path, we all follow Something. We are all in a following season. Second of all, our following season consists of, of learning and growing and surrender to whatever it is that we follow. And they're all vital parts. If you're a Jesus follower, these are all vital parts of growing and shaping our relationship with Jesus. This, this learning and growing and constant surrender. And then we learned about how it's impossible to follow what's behind us. It's impossible to follow what's behind us, meaning that we have to let go of our past failure. We have to surrender the stuff that we grip onto from our past that maybe we just cannot let go of. And then last week, we came to this understanding that in our lives, we're sinners, and we have to own the responsibility of sin in our lives. Because we all sin and we have to acknowledge it. 
So we're all in this following season. And, in, and, and that's what, this is what the following season looks like. The definition is this space in our lives where we're seeking to take the next step of faith that God is calling us to. You see how we're always in a following season? The next step, it's just a time in our life where we're seeking after God and what he's calling us next. What is next? Where are we headed to next? And our next step of faith, depending on who you are, might be your first step of faith. And that's fine. We, we have to be there, right? We uh, Acceptance and, and the recognition of, of us being sinners and accepting Jesus as our personal Savior, that first step of faith is huge. And we're constantly in this journey of following where God would like to take us. And we're all on the same journey of following what, what God would like to do in us and, more importantly, through us because he has a plan for us in his kingdom, and he wants to use you in his kingdom. And it's possible that our next step of faith could be calling us to be a missionary, right? It's a big step, okay? That's a big calling. In the church, that would be a big deal, right? It might be that um, he's calling you to a specific profession. Maybe that's a time of life you're in, whether you're a young adult or maybe you're transitioning from, maybe you're an older adult, and you want to find a different possession. Uh, profession. And that's what the next step of faith, and God's saying, hey, it's time to get out there. Trust me, this is what we want to do. This is where I'm going to take you. Maybe the next step of faith is just something simple, okay? Who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's to propose to that someone, right? Who knows? Or maybe, maybe it's to do nothing, Maybe the next step of faith is to, to not do whatever you've been doing till so you, so you've recognized the hurt that you're causing yourself, that you recognize the doors that God has been closing, and even though you just keep beating on it and trying to knock it down, right? That might be the next step of faith that he's calling us to. When we look at the life of Moses and the life of the, the Israelites, um, in, in, this, in this time, uh, we've come to a changing of the guard, if you will. And we read the first, first seven uh, verses of Joshua. Joshua is the next leader of, of the Israelite nation. And here is where we just want to remind ourselves that we all pass a torch, right? We all have a legacy. And, and let's be sure that our foundation of our legacy is built on the right things. Because as followers, we should bring more followers with us, right? We want to be disciples that are making more disciples. And Moses did that. More specifically, God, through Moses, did that. So in Deuteronomy chapter 34, if you want to find your spot there, Deuteronomy is the fifth, fifth book of the Old Testament. So find, the, find the, the cover and just find... Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the, the last book that Moses writes, and um, also known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. has all kinds of names, the law. There, uh, Moses set the tone for Scripture. And here's what I think. Moses did not write this chapter. I don't think he did. And I think you'll find out why. 
unless your heading says the death of Moses on the top of it. But uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 of chapter 34. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from the Jericho, from the Lord, and then the, there the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Don, all the way to the Nepali, the territory of Ephraim to Manasseh, all the land of Judea as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and all the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. That's why I don't think he wrote it. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, in the valley of opposite of Beth Peor. But, the day, uh, but to this day, no one there knows where his grave is. And Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So, Moses' time on earth had finally come to an end. The purpose for which God had called him had come to an end as well. Now, Moses, he wasn't able to cross the Jordan into the promised land which we talked a little bit about last week, because he disobeyed God. He struck the rock. Instead of speaking to the rock, that's what he was instructed to do. And uh, he struck the rock the first time around, but God told him to speak to the rock, and he didn't do it. He was upset. He was trying to show off. Who knows? He just got selfish. Maybe he just wanted to prove that he could do it. Who knows? But he disobeyed God. But God allowed him to climb Mount Nebo and look over the land. And see the promised land. And see everything that he had talked about. And we don't know what kind of conversations God had with Moses while he was up on the mountain. While he was taking a break. While he was writing all the stuff down in, in Leviticus, you know. And maybe he got writer's cramp. And I don't know why I think that Moses was left-handed. But I am. So that's how I write. Okay. Sorry. I can't do that. It's weird. Um, so... Um, and, and so think of it like this. How many of you have ever been to Disney World? Okay. I love Disney World. It's awesome. And uh, so you're taking a trip to Disney World, and you talk about Disney World for 40 days to your kids. You pump it up. You're taking a whole bunch of your family. You're excited to go. You're getting all the shirts. And, you know, there's like all the fun shirts you can look on Pinterest and find and um, dad number one and I'm going for the snacks and all those fun things. And then you go to Orlando where Disney World is and, and you get to, to Disney World and you get in the helicopter. And you go up and you just fly around Magic Kingdom. And you look down in at all the cool attractions. Pretty cool. You're only like 100 feet over it. It's pretty neat. right? You see Splash Mountain. You see Space Mountain, you see Thunder Mountain, and all the other mountains, right? And you go over, you see Epcot and Hollywood Studios, because they're right next to each other. And over here is Animal Kingdom, and you see a bunch of the things on the safari. You see the whole thing. Then you land, you get on a plane, and you go home. 
in Moses' case, you die. But we'll just go home, okay? That's what this was like, okay? You don't get the full experience. You don't, you don't see it all. You don't get to ride the rides and smell the smells and see the people and hug Mickey and get all the things signed and do all the things that they do that make it the happiest place on earth, right? So this, this, would, this would be Moses' experience. He just got to look and see the pictures. It's just like watching YouTube for Moses, right? And then it would have to do. It would just have to do because Moses disobeyed God. And he just got to take this survey of the land. And then what happens? Moses dies. He was 120 years old. He was an old dude. Anybody here 120? Nope. Yeah. He spent 80 of those years in the wilderness. That's a long time out there in nothingness, right? But this man, Moses, right, he was a great, great man of faith. Did not want to go to Egypt when God called him in the burning bush. Tried to talk God out of it. But he went, and God used him. Okay? He couldn't speak well. He's like, God, I can't speak good. I can't speak so goodish. Right? So send somebody else. Please. Not me. But God used him. He was a humble sheep herder turned a people herder, right? God used him to lead his people out of the promised land. And it was time for him to go to heaven. Because even at 120 years old, sometimes it's time to go to heaven. His eyes weren't weak. He hadn't lost his strength. He was still a thriving 120-year-old man, just like he was still 40, Okay? Dude, that's a big deal. I'm 47, and my eyes are terrible, and my joints pop every third step. So good for Moses, right? He walked around, he walked around the, the wilderness for 80 years, basically. And uh, so he dies. Good for Moses. God gets to bury him. Nobody knows where he's buried. Just, I don't know why that's even in the Bible, but it's a really cool little detail, isn't it? That God buried his servant. And nobody knows where it's at. Nobody knows where he's buried. Then there's Joseph. Remember Joseph, he wanted his bones to be taken from Egypt and put in the land of Canaan. So he didn't get the transition all the way over like Joseph did. And with no, Moses no longer alive, Joseph, or Joshua becomes the leader of the Israelite nation. Of all these followers. And this, listen, this was in the works already. This was not just something that they like uh, had an election and then here comes Joshua, right? Joshua, in the, back in the book of Numbers uh, in chapter 27, the leadership succession plan was put in place. God chose Joshua to be the next guy, to be the next leader. He was the vice leader, if you will. And Moses told the assembly what God told them. Hey, this is Joshua. He's a cool guy. He's an awesome leader. And he's going to be the next Moses, if you will. And so he's going to be training. He's leading already. But he's going to be the next leader of Israel. And Moses led. And he followed. And he leaves this legacy for Joshua. And Joshua has this opportunity to watch Moses closely. He sees his leadership firsthand. And Joshua, always, he's always around he establishes himself as a leader really early. He's a great military leader. And he's able to observe how Moses deals with all the different obstacles that leadership 
encompasses, right? He puts himself in a place to be close to Moses as often as possible. And Joshua, he's not just this follower. He's a natural-born leader. He's great as a great military mind. He, he was not, it's not the mistake that God shows him for this time. And I don't know that Moses would have been the greatest leader when they get into Canaan. Because what happens when they get to Canaan? They, they have all kinds of military triumphs. And they have to, they have to take this land. They don't just, people don't just hand it over to them. So it was pretty smart of God to put Joshua and say, go figure. God knew what he was doing. His, Joshua's faith in God... Um, for what God promised them as a, as a nation was unparalleled. Remember, he was one of the spies 20 years ago that went to, into the land and got vetoed. The other 10 spies said, no, we're not going. But Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. God said it's ours. Let's go take it. So he checks all the boxes for what's needed as, he's the, as the future leader of God's people. But Moses sets this incredible example of leadership. But all he's really doing is following. This whole time, Moses is the leader, but all he's really doing is following. Everything that Moses did as a leader uh, is done by following what God wanted him to do. And it's a product of that following. The product of that following is the promise of God to Abraham is fulfilled, even though it took 40 years longer than it should have, right? It should have taken 11 days to get from Egypt to Canaan. It took him 40 years. And so long-term, it also helps the story of Jesus on the earth unfold as his people get from Egypt to the land that he promised them. And most importantly, everything that Moses did as a leader, the leader of Israel, it didn't go unnoticed. Joshua saw it all. He saw the turmoil that Moses endured and how he handled it, how he took it to God, literally. How he saw the amount of weight that leadership, uh, uh, the amount of weight of leadership on Moses' shoulders and how he handled it and how he relied on God to sustain him through it. So the faith that God, that Moses displayed as he followed is the torch that he passes to Joshua. It's a legacy, right? It was a legacy that was solely displayed by the kind of follower that Moses was during his life. Because people will know who you follow. People will need to know who you follow by the way that you love. That's how people recognize who we follow today. In the eyes of God, I think that if we polled most Jesus followers, most Christians, and uh, we would all agree that Moses had a pretty good career in ministry. He did his job, right? He did a good job of being the nation's uh, Israel leader. He put up with a lot, right? He had direct communication with God. Like, he talked to him. Like, I'm talking right now. He just talked to him. He led with the direction of God at his back. He did not let those circumstances go to his head. Like, he didn't lead like a king would lead with, with entitlement and, and with an iron fist. He, had, he was humble and he was wise because of how he approached his leadership. And he considered God as his best friend. That's pretty neat. I think we should all probably consider God as our best friend, don't you? He was a consistent, he was a constant following season. And he was always learning and growing and surrendering himself. Because God was constantly proving to Moses 
Oh, well, yeah, you fall short there, but guess what? We still used you. We still used you, and this is what came about. And that was the legacy that Joshua got to pass on. So today, moving forward, we're not really going to explore the triumphs and the victories of Joshua and how he led the nation of Israel. But I encourage you to read. Read Joshua. It leads off with how they walked around Jericho and the walls came down. Spoiler alert. Sorry if, if you didn't know. Um, and we'll get to the part here in a second. Joshua gets to be the leader and that fulfills the promise like we read at the very beginning. The final promise that God made to Abraham 685 years before. Because God promised Abraham. Remember this? He, they, I'm gonna make, he makes three promises to Abraham. When he calls Abraham into uh, his, he wants Abraham to be his guy. He wants him to lead. He wants to be, he wants to start. He says, I'll make you a great nation. The Israelite nation, when it's two, two million plus right now. So check, right? He, I'll make your name great. Nearly 700 years later, still talking about Father Abraham. So again, check. We're good. And then they arrive in Canaan. God promises Abraham, I'm going to give your descendants this land. And then Joshua gets to be the leader that helps to check that box. And they walk across the Jordan River. And it happens because Moses was faithful. And through God, he sets that example of following. Because following is a challenge. But it's the only way to follow, right? So as we close this series today about our following season and how we are always in a following season. Here's just a few quick observations about what I hope will help us as we seek to take the next step of faith. There's just three, and, um, and just the next step of faith that God is calling us to. The first is this. The first is that we recognize God's voice. But not only that, we respond because Moses was out doing his job. He was a sheep herder. He was working for Jethro, his father-in-law. And I'm glad that my father-in-law's name is not Jethro. Um, but he was, if your name's Jethro, I'm, that's not a, I'm just glad my father-in-law's name is not Jethro. <laughs> Moses is doing his job. And this bush lights up on fire. And he's like, oh, I should go check that out. So he goes and checks it out. And God calls out to him, Moses. And you know what Moses could have done? He could have ran. Like, if a bush talks to me in the middle of the night, who knows what's going to happen. You might tear, turn tail and run away. It's kind of weird. Pretty sure it's never happened to Moses before. Or maybe it had. Who knows? And misses the time that he actually answered. We don't know. Moses didn't choose to write that part. Who knows? That's me reading between the lines. But God calls him. Moses didn't have to say a word. And he could have run away. But instead, what did he say? He say, he says, here I am. He responded. He's available. Here I am. And when we feel the prompting of God in our life, when you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you in your heart to do whatever he's nudging you to do, to take the next step of faith, to give that dollar to whoever needs it, to, to help serve in this area of whatever, or if it's just to give a ride to whoever needs a ride across town. When, 
when the Holy Spirit says, that's God calling out to you. And we need to respond with, here I am. Here I am. Send me. Use me, God, and be available to be used. So the first thing we need to do is recognize God's voice and then respond. Second, we need to follow forward. Always follow forward. Because your past, yes, is a part of who you are. Okay? And the decisions that we made in our past are, we were all, we were 100% responsible for all of those decisions, present company included. Okay? And so your, your past, it might affect your current life, right? It might have left scars. It might have left physical scars or mental or emotional scars. But your past could also direct the path that you take as you follow. But God is not concerned with your past. He wants your future. And we have to surrender our past to those things that we hold on to. And it's us, right? If, if it's drugs and alcohol or a toxic relationship or if it's an emotional attachment we have to whatever it is, if it's, uh, if it's a family member, if it's, there's all sorts of things that we grip onto in our lives, in our past, that we cannot seem to let go of. And we have to surrender those things. Because if your eyes are on the past behind you, they cannot be on the God in front of you. So we have to be able, we cannot follow what's behind us. We have to follow forward. So let's let go of those things and surrender. The last thing is this. Following leaves a legacy. And this is a big one. If you're an adult... It's a really big one. Just like Moses' leadership, it, it's filled with daily faithfulness. Moses led daily, and he was faithful. God used him in a great way, despite his past, right? Murdered a guy. That's why he was on the run in the first place, okay? He, uh, he, despite all his insecurities, who, you know, I can't speak well, Lord, and I can't do this, and he couldn't see the way that God wanted, uh, despite all the things that he thought he was not capable of, God still was able to use him in a great and powerful way. But day after day, and eventually year after year, Moses faithfully was seeking God, speaking to God, growing in him. And that's what we have to do. So fortunately, and unfortunately, sometimes, there are always eyes on you. Aren't there? And if you're a parent, there are always eyes watching you. Always. I yikes. Amen? Woo. Kids are everywhere. And if you have more than one, you know that they're everywhere. Um, so what do you do and how you say and what you say and the action? They're watching. Your parents are watching you parent. Your kids are watching you be a parent. Your co-work, all of it. You're just being watched. If you're a boss, eyes are watching you to see if you're going to do things with integrity. If you're going to treat 
your employees the way they should be treated. If you're going to do um, whatever job to the highest level possible, if whatever the case is, your eyes are always going to be on you. If you're an employee, eyes are always on you, right? To see if you are going to do, if you're going to work like you have more invested in the job than just a paycheck, that it's a livelihood because we should do everything to our fullest ability, regardless of whether we like the job or not, right? Whether we were asked, I mean, I don't really think that our kids love cleaning their room, but we still want them to do it and do a good job. Because what's going to happen if they don't do a good job? We're going to have to do it again. And we're just going to not get in that cycle of redoing it if we just do it right the first time, right? So eyes are on you. How we faithfully follow, people are watching. How we behave, how I behave as your pastor, people are watching. I coached middle school football for the last two months. Do you think that people were watching the way that I yelled at the referees when I didn't like what was happening? Probably. Yeah. Um, You think that parents were watching the way that I treated their kiddos? Probably. You betcha. The way that we treat others, eyes are watching. The way that we speak to others, the way that, um, sorry, the way that uh, we love one another, all of those things, it just never stops. People are watching nonstop. So, That legacy that we, that we have of faithfully following Jesus. We want to live like, we want to live like our goal is to, to lead others to, uh, we want to live like our mission would be to, to lead others to a grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's our goal. That's it. That's our mission as a church. That's our mission. That is uh, word for word our mission statement. To lead others to a grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to follow like extending grace and showing love and serving others is more than just a slogan that we put on a, on a t-shirt and our church logo. Because they mean something and we do something. That's the legacy that we want to Get across. That's the, what we want to pass down. Because we're all in this following season. Every one of us. A time of seeking and learning and growing and surrendering to the next step of faith that God is calling us to. And it's a journey. Right? Day by day. Sometimes minute by minute, if that's what it takes. But it's an incredible journey that God is wanting to walk with us through. Every step of the way through the wilderness, where was God? He's right there with the Israelites. He took every step through the wilderness with him. And he wants to do the same thing on your journey too. So one of the ways that we get to celebrate those faithful steps is through the sacrament of baptism. Amen? And we have... A great crew of people that are going to get baptized today. And there's, there's a lot of things I love about baptism. 
And um, the kids are going to come down. Brandon just went to get them, and they're going to come down. We have four kiddos and, then, and one adult here that's going to uh, get, get baptized. It's a fun time. And, you know, the Chiefs are playing at 325 today, and we're going to yell. We're going to yell at the TV because we can't be in, in Kansas City. But when, when baptisms happen, we got to celebrate. And we need to, uh, we, we need to be loud. So um, when they come out of the water, we need to cheer. The worship team's going to come on up, and they're going to actually sing uh, in between each one a little bit. And we're going to celebrate this decision that each uh, of these people have made um, as their next step of faith in their following season. And it's fantastic. Um, so uh, as they come, let me pray for us, and then we're going to um, move on to the litigious part of it. Father God, we love you. We're so thankful that you are with us in our season of following, and we just ask that as we go through life, that you will give us the wisdom that we need, and you will give us the faith that we need, and that you will just stretch us beyond anything like you stretched Moses to do more than we even think possible, to go further than we even think possible into our community, in our families, in our friendships, in our relationships, whatever it looks like, God, that you will use us in a great and powerful way. And then we'll be very careful